Diary of a Home Care Worker by Rita Nemo with Julian Hutchings. Episode 4, Wednesday. My back's a bit better, thanks for asking. Mandy wants to kill herself, she told me. I've been seeing her for a few months now. She has very bad arthritis, her wrists twisted and doubled back. Crooked fingers, can hardly walk, just hobbles along with two sticks she can hardly hold. But she doesn't leave her flat, hardly ever except to go to the hospital. Her husband Giles died of brain cancer last year and she has two other children, but one lives abroad and the other lives in Sheffield, poor sod, and never visits and hardly ever phones. Mandy has a tiny one-bedroom council flat on that massive estate, you know the one, and her neighbours are drunks and drug dealers, or both, probably, and she's on the third floor with a lift that hardly ever works and when it does, it's full of used hypodermics and teenagers having sex between the floors. There's damp on our walls and gaps around the windows, so in the winter the wind and the cold air come swirling in. And she doesn't have the money to spend on her electric heaters, so she sits in her armchair, swathed in blankets and cardigans, mufflers and woolly slippers, staring at her telly, which she can hardly see, on account of being sight-impaired, i.e. blind, basically. I've had it, Reet. She said. She always calls me wee, like Tim does. What have you had, pet? I said. She likes me to call her pet. I think it's what Giles used to call her. Life, wee, life. I've had it with life. Had it up to here. And she slowly raised her scrunched and hair-grip-shaped hand and brushed it across her forehead. Don't say that, pet, I said. But to be honest, if you ask me to count her blessings, I don't think I'd need more than one hand and not even sure I'd need all my fingers. I'm going to do myself in, she said then. Now, pet, I said, you mustn't say such things. You don't mean it. Yes, I do, Reet. I do. You know I do. You're the only thing keeps me going, Reet. You know that? I so look forward to you coming. Pitiful, isn't it? I see more of you than I see of Graham, her son, and Mary, her daughter, and you're much kinder to me than they ever were. You say more, too. I wish you were my daughter, Reet. I'd leave my money to you. You know I would. If you stopped coming, I don't know what I'd do. Don't say that, man. I'll need to report it, I said. You know that, pet. I need to tell the agency. They'll get someone out to see you. Send someone from social services. Fat lot of good they'll do. Don't bother, Reet. I won't be here. I kneeled down in front of her chair and put my hands on her crumpled wrists and held her tight and looked into her eyes. They were roomy and bloodshot. I don't think she could see me very clearly. It's going to be all right, I said. We'll get you better, pet. You watch. You're sweet, Reet, she said, and gave a hollow little laugh. Sweet, Reet, she said again. That's nice. I gave her a little hug. Sometimes a hug is what you need and sometimes a hug is all you can give. You go now, Poppet, she said. Sometimes she calls me Poppet. I'll be okay. But I was worried. I don't think she'll be okay. When I left, I phoned the agency straight away and told them about our conversation. I'll get on to it, said Julia. I'll call social services. Don't forget, I said. I won't forget, said Julia. I bet she forgets. She usually does. Sometimes I hate this job. Saturday. It's the loneliness that gets you. And I'm not talking about the service users now. I'm talking about me. It's the hope that kills you. I read that somewhere. Not for me, though. 
it's the loneliness. Oh, I know I've got Richard, and I love him. I love him, of course, but he's a child. It's different. And anyway, he's hardly around. He's at school or off with his mates or in his room, Instagramming and looking at porn, probably. And Tim's gone. Good thing, all said and done, although I was a bit less lonely when he was around. My sister Jackie, I see her and talk to her a lot, but she has her own problems. All my clients, I love them, but they're not friends, are they? The other care workers, colleagues like Justin or Sharon or the others, we have a natter and some of them I get on with and Frankie say I even go for a drink with sometimes, but not often enough. But they're not real mates, not soul mates, not really. Tinder dates occasionally, but they're different too and usually just make me end up feeling lonelier. They seem so desperate and impersonal somehow, just the opposite of what I want. Sometimes I don't feel as if I have any real mates anymore, anyone to chew the fat with, drink a bit of wine with, eat kettle chips with, sit around with and curse the world. The ones I had, they have their own lives now, husbands, some of them, kids, parents to look after, all that. I guess it's just you, diary. You're my mate, my confidant, my BFF, my shoulder to cry on. I love you, in a way, but it's not the same. Thursday. Maybe my life is changing. I think Thomas is in love with me. I see him twice a week, been going for a few weeks now. He's in his 70s, distinguished looking. Still got most of his own hair, neat moustache, quite good looking, slim. Quite a catch if I was looking for someone 30 years older who gets home care, which I'm not, diary, as you well know. He's still got most of his marbles, not a scientific expression, I know, but we, we know what I mean. And he gets around okay. He's a private client, gets nothing from the state. There's more than £23,000, a lot more, I would guess. So he has to fund his own care, and he's quite happy to pay for it. I get the impression he's been quite happy to pay for it all his life, if you get my meaning. It's housework I do for him, really. He doesn't need care, or not for me. And sometimes I get the impression that he just wants to watch me, going around his nice big flat, tidying up, polishing, dusting vacuum cleaning while he undresses me with his eyes. A woman always knows. You know I look forward to your visits, he said today. Thank you, I said. I hope you're happy with the work I'm doing. Very happy, he said. You brighten up my life, do you know that? Thank you, I said again. I like coming here. I don't make you work too hard, do I? No, it's fine, I said. Anyway, it's my job. I get paid. I bet you don't get paid very much. Can I ask you how much you get paid? Why? I said. I'm curious. The agency charged quite a lot. I wondered how much goes to you. How much do you pay the agency? I said. He smiled at me then. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours, he said. I smiled back. He said the agency charges me £18.75 per hour. That is a lot, I said. I get paid £10.50 an hour when I visit a private client like you less when it's a social services client. Why is that? Because social services pay the agency less than that usually, so I get less. That's how it works. So private clients subsidise the social services clients. Then, is that it? I suppose so, yes, if you look at it like that. But I'm only a carer. I don't know what the economics of running an agency are. It's not much for you to live on, said Thomas. I get by. I said. I felt a bit patronised, but he was right. He looked thoughtful, 
and sat in his chair looking out of the window at the other posh flats and flicking through the financial times while I went and tidied up in the kitchen. When I came back, he said, I want to give you a present. That's kind of you, I said, but I don't accept presents from clients and it's against the rules. They need never know, he said. It can be our secret. It's not just their rules, I said. I don't accept presents from clients. I'm a professional. I work for my living. I get paid. It's my job. I like it that way. I have my pride. He looked at me. You can keep your pride, he said. I'm not taking that away. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not trying to patronise you. I don't expect anything in return. It's not a bribe. I won't expect you to sleep with me. I was taken aback, but not shocked. I've heard that line before, and usually it means the exact opposite. Well, I'm grateful for that, I said, and then felt a bit cheap. I smiled to let him know that I didn't mean it to come out quite like that. Think about it, he said. See you on Tuesday? Yep, see you on Tuesday. And I left. I can't help thinking about what might happen on Tuesday. Be patient, diary. Sunday. Olive hit me today for the third time. I'm sure she didn't mean to, but it still hurts. Whether someone means to hit you or not, still hurts. It's frustration, I think. Her brain doesn't work like it used to and can't control her movements like it used to. So sometimes her legs go the wrong way and she trips and falls. And sometimes her arms go the wrong way and swing back when they should swing forward. Or vice versa, or she waves her arms around because she thinks she's losing her balance and often she'll hit the door or the wall or the microwave or knock a lamp over, or me, if I'm in the way, which I was for the third time. I think it's called one of the hazards of the job. The first time she caught me on the arm, which was okay, but I was a bit bruised, and the second time it was in the back, which was all right really, didn't hurt too much. But today she swung her arm forgetting I was there and caught me right in the nose. It didn't half hurt and there was a bit of blood, not too much. It's okay, Olive, I said. I'm all right. What did you say, darling, she said, and sat down in her chair. You caught me in the face, Olive, I said, with your hand. I know you didn't mean to. Did I? But I never. Could I have a cup of tea, darling? No sugar. Sometimes I hate this job. If it happens again, I suppose I'll need to report it. Tuesday. Today was a bit of a strange day, diary. Let me tell you about it. I went to see Thomas again. He gave me a nice smile when I got there and then sat in his chair watching me cleaning and fussing around the flat. Are you married, Rita? He said. Nobody calls me Rita. Most people call me Reet. Tim used to call me Reet Petite after that Jackie Wilson song. Not that I was ever petite. And some people call me me. Technically I am, I said. I'm separated. He nodded. I'm sorry, he said. And then, have you got a boyfriend? Technically. I stopped what I was doing and leaned on the vacuum cleaner. One of those expensive posh Dysons which never work as well as a good old Henry. Why are you asking me this, Thomas? I said. Just making conversation, he said. I'm sorry if it offends you. It doesn't offend me, I said. I just wondered why you want to know. Oh, you know, I'm a man, you're a woman. Thomas, I said, I'm a lot younger than you are. I'm separated. I have a child. I'm a care worker. And you're a client and I'm not looking for a relationship. OK, I understand, but 
you know, you're young, free and single. When I'm old, free and single, you could do worse. I could do worse. First of all, Thomas, I'm not really free and nor am I really single and I'm not really young either. And I'm still not looking for a relationship, really. How old are you? He said. I know one shouldn't ask a lady her age, but you've started it, sort of. I'm 41, I said. I don't know why I told the truth to him when I tell everyone else that I'm 38, but I did. You look well on it, he said. I would have said you were in your mid-thirties, and you're very attractive. Can I say that? We used to say handsome back in my day, but you don't hear that much now. But you're a handsome woman, Rita, if you'll allow me to say so. I laughed. You're allowed, Thomas, and it's very kind of you, but I'm still not looking for a relationship. He smiled at me, and I went back to my work. Nothing was said about a gift. Tim came around in the late afternoon. He and Richard went to the movies, one of those Marvel things, I think, and then they went to Nando's. I felt a bit jealous. Tim and I are getting on a bit better now. Sometimes I get the impression that he wants to come back and that nail bar technician of his doesn't have much to say anymore. Who'd have thunk it? A nail bar technician runs out of conversation. By the way, diary, how come she's a technician and I'm a worker? Don't tell me there's more skill in what she does than in what I do. Sitting in that silly shop with a face mask on, holding someone's hand, filing nails, wielding a little paintbrush. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? It's funny, though. Sometimes Tim says something or gives me a look and it reminds me of why I fell in love with him. And then another time he'll say something or give me a different look and it reminds me of why I fell out of love with him. And that was probably before he ran off with Sally, that cow, if I'm honest. Wednesday. Hard but fairly typical day today. Four commodes emptied and cleaned. Nine cups of tea made, six compression stockings fitted, four key safes used, three sets of dentures cleaned, four incontinence pads changed, four strip washes given, six beds changed and made, eight sandwiches made, ham, twice, cheese and pickle, tuna, twice, peanut butter, twice, cold roast beef. Twice told I was an angel and once told that I would get prayed for. Twice asked for my name. Eight Medicines Administration Record MAR charts completed. Eight sets of comments recorded in the care books. Sexually harassed once, about par for the course. Once told that my agency was rubbish. Once told that the phone wasn't working. And once told that I wasn't to use the phone. Twice asked why the council charges were increasing. I said I didn't know, but I'd try and find out. Four letters read aloud. Three letters posted. Twice pushed aside by kids running to get to the lift. Two phone calls to doctor's surgeries trying to make appointments. One successful, one not, couldn't get through. One phone call to hospital to confirm appointment. Wednesday. Another strange day. Things are getting weird around here. I was running late this morning on account of I overslept, which is something I hardly ever do. So I grabbed my bag and almost ran out of the house. My first appointment was at nine and I hate being late. I was sitting in the car outside Doreen's house, checking my rotor and my phone, when I saw a little pouch in my bag. I took it out. It was a little turquoise pouch in a soft velvet-type material, and it had Tiffany written on it in little gold letters. My hands were shaking a bit when I realised what it was, and opened the pouch. Inside was the most beautiful, delicate silver bracelet I have ever seen. 
It had a few sparkles set into it, which looked like they must be diamonds. I tried it on, and it looked gorgeous on my dark-skinned wrist, and the diamonds shimmered as they caught the light. I've always loved Tiffany's silver stuff. Not that I've ever owned any. And what girl doesn't like diamonds? It reminded me of that scene in Some Like It Hot, my favourite film, apart from Dirty Dancing, of course, when Tony Curtis takes the bracelet that Osgood gave to Jack Lemmon's character, Daphne, and puts it in a little box and then opens the door and kicks the box along the floor so that it hits Marilyn Monroe's hotel door while she's talking on the phone to him. And she opens the box and finds the bracelet and puts it on and then lies on the bed turning her hand around so that it sparkles. But obviously it's from Thomas, not Tony Curtis, and I'm not Marilyn. I'm Rita, the care worker, and I don't accept gifts like I told him very clearly I don't. And if he thinks he can buy my affections with a silver and diamond Tiffany bracelet, he's got another thing coming. Gorgeous though it is. So I visited Doreen, and then went to Colin, and then Raymond, and then Frida, and then I had a sandwich, and in the afternoon I went to Gordon, Lionel, Charlotte, Daphne and Gabriel, and then I was finished for the day, so I went to see Thomas. It's against the rules to go and see clients outside of the proper allocated visit times, and I could get into big trouble. But I needed to get this sorted, and I didn't want to wait until next week. I rang his doorbell. He answered the door. He was wearing a very nicely cut navy blue suit with a pale blue and white striped shirt and a navy tie with white spots on it. There was a white handkerchief in his top pocket. He looked very smart and handsome, I must say, and he had a very nice aftershave on, and wealthy, and he didn't look his age. Hello, Rita, he said. This is a nice surprise, I must say. I didn't think you were due today. I was just on my way out. I'm not, I said. He stood there in the doorway, unsure of what to do. Did you want to come in, he said. Thank you, I said. We went into the living room. He sat on the sofa and crossed his legs. I sat in a nice leather armchair, old-fashioned, worn, but with a lovely patina. I love that word. What can I do for you, he said. He was smiling and looking very pleased with himself. He did look elegant. Thomas, I said, it's very kind of you, but I can't accept it, and it's very naughty of you. Nobody's called me naughty for a long time, he said. I think I like it, though. Naughty. Yes, I do like it. I like being called naughty. Thomas, I began. Just a moment, he said. Would you like a cigarette? I don't smoke, I said. You don't mind if I do? Of course, it is my flat. He was smiling. Of course not, please go ahead. There was a silver cigarette box on the coffee table in front of him and he opened it and took out a cigarette and lit it with a silver cigarette lighter. I couldn't tell if the box and the lighter were by Tiffany but they looked like they might be. He drew on the cigarette and pale grey smoke drifted up to the ceiling. He held the cigarette delicately in the fingers of his left hand. I opened my handbag and removed the Tiffany pouch and took out the bracelet and handed it to him. He took it and looked at it closely and looked a bit surprised. Tiffany, it's very nice, he said. My wife had a similar one. Where did you get it? Thomas, I said, you know very well where I got it from. You must have put it in my bag on Thursday. And as I said to you on Tuesday, I don't accept gifts from clients. Yes. He said, you made that very clear. But I didn't put this in your bag. Look, Thomas, I said, I don't want to be rude, but this isn't fair. We had a conversation on Tuesday, 
and you said you wanted to give me a gift. And then on Thursday, you propositioned me, and then you put this Tiffany pouch in my bag when I wasn't looking. Do you deny it? He was looking at me, his elbow resting on the arm of the sofa while his cigarette swirled in the air. That's very accusatory, Rita, he said. OK, yes, we did have a conversation about me giving you a gift on Tuesday, and you turned it down. Fair enough. I was disappointed, but I respected you. And on Thursday, we had a conversation in which you say I propositioned you. Yes, you're right, I did. I said I thought you were very attractive. Handsome, I think I said, and I do. I don't deny it. I'm lonely, and I don't meet many women, certainly not of your age, and as handsome as you, and it's wrong of me, I know, but I'm not getting any younger, and sometimes I'm a bit more direct than I should be. But I don't regret saying it, even though you turned me down and told me off. So all of that is true. But if I was going to give you a gift and I'd still like to, despite or maybe even because of what you've said. I'm the sort of man that would wrap it up in some nice wrapping paper, or more likely get someone to wrap it up for me, and I'd give it to you so that I could watch you unwrap it, and then I could see the joy and excitement on your face. I'm old-fashioned like that. I'm sorry, Rita, and it makes me jealous to say it, but you have another admirer. He finished his cigarette and stubbed it out in a heavy glass ashtray. I didn't know what to say. Promise, I said. He laughed. Scout's honour, he said. I promise it wasn't me. I feel such a fool, I said. I'm sorry I accused you. A misunderstanding, he said. No harm done. No hard feelings. I'm going out now. Will you be here on Tuesday? Do you want me to? Very much. In that case, yes, I said. I'm sorry. We left the flat together. He went to the tube station and I got my bike and went home. I was still wearing the bracelet. So, diary, the question is, who gave it to me? I need to play detective. I thought of who else I saw on that day. Charlotte. I know she likes me, but she knows I'm not gay, and although she's not short of money, I can't see it being her. Doreen? No chance. Colin? No chance. Raymond? No chance. Jenny? No. Jack? He's gorgeous, but he doesn't need to give me gifts. Can't see it. Agatha? No. Reginald? I know he has a soft spot for me, but not in that way. Bill? We had that incident with the photograph, but again, I can't see it. Andrea? Possible, but I hope not. I was stumped. Could it be one of the other carers? I worked with Justin today, but it wouldn't be him. He's gay, I'm sure of it. My gay dar is pretty accurate, and anyway, he doesn't have any money which carer does. Let's face it, if they could afford Tiffany bracelets, would they be care workers? Richard and I had our tea. I made some pasta with carbonara sauce, his favourite, and then he went to his room to finish Instagramming and looking at photos of the girls in his class. The number of girls who post photos of themselves not wearing many clothes does my head in, as they say. Richard shows me sometimes. I'm sure he only shows me the softer ones. I dread to think what else he looks at. I was watching University Challenge. I actually got four questions right, which is a first for me and a new record. My sister Jackie called and we had a long chat about her useless husband. Then I made a cup of tea and had a digestive biscuit. The excitement in my life is too much to bear, sometimes. I had a quick look at Tinder, just because, but there was no one, or no one worth swiping right for anyway. 
I was sitting there on the sofa thinking about Thomas and whether he'd told me the truth and about his sharp suit and his nice tie, his big flat and his silver cigarette box when my phone rang. It was Tim. Hello, Reet, he said. Hello, Tim, I said. You all right? What do you want, Tim? I said. Well, he said. Well, what? Well, what do you think? I'm tired, Tim. It's been a long day. What do I think about what? You know, he said. Tim, I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? The bracelet, of course. You did find it, didn't you? Tell me you found it. I sat up on the sofa. That was you, you bastard. That was you. Why? Whoa, he said. Hold your horses. It's just a present. I want some money on the horses. And I thought I owed you. And I thought how you liked Tiffany. So I thought, you know, why not? Been a long time, Reet. Thanks, I said. It's very nice. But don't think you can just buy me a bracelet and come back into my life and everything is back like it was. No, no, Reet. I don't. Honest, I don't. Like it was wasn't great, Tim. You may have forgotten, but I haven't. I know, babe, he said. I know. Don't call me babe, I said. You know, I hate it. Sorry, he said. Can I call you in a few days? We could have dinner. What do you say? Nando's? I'll think about it. You can call me, though. And it's a nice bracelet. Thanks. But no way am I going to Nando's. That's a yes, then. I still love you, Reet, he said. Goodbye, Tim, I said, and hung up. Friday. I had my bike stolen today. God, it makes you sick. I was on my last call of the day. Busy day, too. Lot of vomit, lot of faeces, lot of misery on my part. Lot of stoic acceptance on the part of my clients. Some smiles, lots of thanks, a box of chocolates, which I tried to decline, but they were having none of it. So I shall declare it to the agency and maybe get to eat the orange cream, my favourite. Anyway, I was at Joan's place. She lives in that housing estate that backs onto the railway line where they've had all those stabbings recently. I expect you know it, diary. She's lived there all her life, or in the area anyway, before it got all gentrified and Thatcher sold all the flats off to the residents at massive discount. And they then resold them to up-and-coming web developers and TV people at massive profit. Only Joan didn't buy hers, didn't believe in it, and hated Thatcher, smart woman. Half-hour call, last of the day, so I left my bike chain to the railings where I always do and never had a problem and came down after seeing Joan and it was gone. Just a bit of chain left. Oh, I was so angry and upset. I loved that bike, diary. Even though it was nothing special, but it was mine. And it was great for getting around, and I've got really strong on it. Even if you do take your life in your hands round here. I phoned the police, of course, and they were like, Oh, that's a shame. And asked if it was security stamped or had that smart water stuff on it. And when I said it didn't, they were like, Oh, that might have helped. As if it was my fault. So no help there. I'll need to go down to that bike project place in Hearn Hill and see if I can get another one. Got the bus home and felt miserable, so I bought a bag of Revels and ate them watching the telly. I like the orange creams. Wednesday. Agatha lives alone, has done for three years since her partner Reg died. Throat cancer, smoked like a chimney. I never knew if they were married and she never called him her husband, so maybe they weren't. Not that it matters. She has a two-bedroom flat, which she shared with him. The bedroom's upstairs, downstairs a living room and kitchen, in that nice council block just off the high street, 
the old one looks private and posh but isn't at all Agatha has agoraphobia fear of open spaces I looked it up but she has chronic severe overwhelming agoraphobia not only has she not been outside but she hasn't left her living room for nine years think about that for a minute diary she hasn't seen the outside world or the world outside her room for 108 months you do the maths if you don't believe me she's a lovely lady pale as you'd expect and painfully thin very weak muscles on account of taking no exercise smokes like a chimney like reg used to but clever talkative bright as a button still got most of her whips about her which is more than you can say for a lot of people i've been seeing her for a while now and we always have a laugh and a chat she listens to the radio all the time radio four usually pays attention absorbs it all keeps up with politics current affairs as her favorite programs and the ones she doesn't like never liked desert island discs and turns the radio off when that comes on thinks kirsty young is a pain but apart from that she's very left-wing which i am a bit and we talk about that she doesn't have much time for corbyn thinks he's doing a rubbish job but so do i so no argument there she had a good job librarian loved her books still quite a few in the flat although she can't read much now her eyes getting weak and finding it hard to concentrate i asked her about her agoraphobia once and we chat about it occasionally basically she decided one day that she didn't fancy going outside preferred her flat and after a while found that she hadn't been out for months it sort of crept up on her and then just carried on and then preferred her living room and so stopped going upstairs she has her cigarettes and her radio four uses a commode which the carers change for her spends all her time on the sofa and sleeps there too i always worry about pressure sores if she stays in one place all the time but every time i come and not just me she has carers every day she lets us check her body her skin getting very thin now and easily broken and we keep an eye on things and write copious notes in her care plan it's her life diary that's the thing it's what she's chosen she's independent she has capacity as it's called i've done the training she's able and entitled and empowered to make her own decisions about how she wishes to live and we need to respect that do what we can to keep her safe and prevent her from hurting herself as much as we can but ultimately let her do as she wishes sometimes i think she has more control over her life than i have over mine diary that may sound weird but she's made a life for herself shipwrecked on a little island of happiness in a dark dark sea she's chosen a life for herself found some peace built a world that she feels safe in and she's not hurting anyone while i'm still looking for my island and moan about my lot and my life and don't have any real peace peace diary maybe one day i'll find my own peace my own island of happiness thursday poor nancy is fresh out of luck she's 87 white-haired always neat and tidy well groomed likes her makeup and her clothes always has done alone for the last five years since her husband died dementia and the last couple of years were very hard she'd been living at home a little bungalow one bedroom bar in the corner her late husband installed always neat and tidy pretty garden a small circle of friends that she would lunch with mostly widows and one widower she was friendly with but not in that way as she told me only one man for her and now he's gone one day she'd found a lump in her neck and went to the doctor to get it checked out he referred her to a specialist who she saw a couple of times getting a cab to the hospital from her local firm 
getting to know the drivers who liked her because she was so sweet and kind. The specialist couldn't make up his mind and she had various tests and he still couldn't decide. And then one day she got a phone call late in the afternoon and could she go to the hospital in the morning, 9am, to see him. She was tired, had a long day and wasn't going to go but felt she ought to find out what he wanted. And so she called the same cab firm and her favourite driver, Mohammed, picked her up and dropped her nice and early. She'd seen the specialist come out of the front entrance and been hit by a car. An elderly man dropping his wife off didn't see her and she didn't see him and she couldn't remember anyway. In the hospital car park of all places but no CCTV. She'd been knocked over and came down heavily. Multiple fractures to her right leg, black eye, fractured skull, facial scars and bruising. She was in hospital for two months. A cage on her leg to start with, but her bones too brittle from osteoporosis and couldn't support the metalwork, so the doctors had to replace it with a cast. When she was a bit better, walking but with a Zimmer frame and needing two people to support her, the hospital suddenly decided she was ready for discharge and told her family she was going home on the Thursday with no warning and no care package in place. So they phoned the agency, and here I am. She's a bit depressed. Hardly surprising considering what happened to her, but puts on a brave face. Do you remember what happened? I asked. Well, I'm not sure, she said. I remember seeing the doctor and coming outside, but after that, nothing. Had you called a taxi? I said. I suppose I must have done, but I can't remember. Nancy was supposed to have a reablement package provided by the council team, which means she would have six weeks intensive support designed to get her up and running, pardon the expression. But there was some problem. Don't ask me what. So now we're here. Tim used to say to me when I was moaning about stuff and before he ran off with that cow Sally, like he'd know, count your blessings. And it used to get right up my nose. I don't need him to tell me what's right with my life when he's the one who's wrong with my life. But it does make you think. Life can turn on a penny, my dad used to say before he walked out on us. And I know what it means, even if I don't know where the penny comes in. You never know, do you, diary? Life-changing injuries, they say in the paper when someone's had a bad accident. And that's what Nancy's got, and make no mistake. Friday. Margaret has nine cats. Nine! Who needs nine cats? Margaret, that's who. Some are indoor cats. Some are outdoor cats. Some were rescued. Some she raised from kittens. Some had kittens she kept. She loves them all, has names for them, of course. Let's them wander everywhere, in the kitchen, on the dining table, where she's eating. Trouble is, and she won't accept this, they're getting too much for her. The indoor ones use a tray, which is in the kitchen, and because it's there and the outdoor ones can't always be bothered to go outside, or Margaret's asleep or doesn't notice them and there's no cat flap, they use the tray too. So it fills up and then overflows, and their scrabbling paws scrabble faeces all over the floor, and then kick it into the carpet where it sticks and stinks, until I get there and clean it up, even though I'm not supposed to because it's not in the care plan. But I ask you, if I don't clean it, who will? Nobody. Margaret, I said today, about the cats. What cats, darling? She always calls me darling. Your cats, Margaret, your nine cats. Oh, them. I thought you meant there was more of them. Margaret, I began, and it's difficult. Are they maybe getting a bit much 
for you, having nine cats. I mean, nine cats. Come on, Rita, I thought, spit it out. You saying I can't cope? Um, no, not exactly. What exactly, then? She can be very sharp, can Margaret, when she wants to be. I'll talk to the agency, I say, feeling like a wimp. We'll see if social services will include in the care plan that I can clear up after them. Because I'm not really supposed to. In the time I have, I mean. Yes, dear, Margaret says. I'll have a tea when you're ready. No sugar. I phoned the agency to see if they'd ask social services about adding the cats to the care plan. Are you having a laugh? said Jenny. You know there's no chance of that happening. The way things are going, she's lucky she gets any care at all. Cutbacks. Don't you watch the news? Sometimes I wonder about this job. Sunday. You ever see a cockroach, diary? An ant's nest? Flying ants, wasps, fleas? Giant bird-eating spiders? Mice? Rats? Of course you haven't, because you haven't been out of my house, diary, and there's none of that in my house. Clean as a whistle it is. You could eat your food off my floor, not that you'd want to. Why whistle? Never understood that expression. I might have to call that James O'Brien on Mystery Hour on LBC about that. I like LBC, and I'm not sure why. It's full of mad white wingers and Brexiters and moaners and whingers and demagogues. I like that word. And all those adverts for PPI get on your nerves. But it's comforting in a way, knowing that there's so many people who are stupider than you are. Colin's flat is infested. I was in his bedroom changing the bed linen, which was filthy. It was my first time visiting him. His usual carer was on holiday, so the agency said, and he hadn't had anyone for a few weeks. A few weeks? A few months, more like. The place was a tip, and I've seen some tips, I can tell you. It wasn't a nice bedroom. Everything was grey or dark grey. I don't mean the paint or the wallpaper. There wasn't any wallpaper anyway. I mean grey as in dirty. The sheets were encrusted. Feces and vomit mostly, but lots of other stains as well, which I won't describe in any more detail, and damp from urine. He'd wet himself at least once and probably more. I gathered it all up and took it out to the kitchen to put it in the washing machine. Poor Colin sat in his grey chair in a pair of grey tracksuit bottoms and a grey T-shirt, grey stubble on his grey face, thin wisps of damp grey hair congealing on his head. He didn't look at me or acknowledge me in any way. I stopped next to him. Would you like some tea, Colin? I said, and smiled my best and brightest care worker smile. He looked at me but didn't say anything. I'll make you some tea, I said. Give me a minute, I'll just put this washing on. He looked at me. The kitchen was awful. Filthy pans everywhere, scraps of food all over the floor, the fridge door half open, stained cups dark with tea dregs, crusty sour milk, a metal tray like a ready meal comes in with green fur all over it. Rotten vegetables, black-skinned bananas, tomatoes oozing liquid. There was that telltale sweet smell of death. Maggots. I opened the bin, one of those pedal bin things, so I pressed down with my foot, and the bin opened slowly like a tomb, and it was crawling, literally crawling with maggots, millions of them, heaving and rolling, the contents shifting and shape-changing with the maggots inside them, all moving together like a white army. I was booked for 45 minutes with Colin, but my next visit wasn't until an hour later and it was around the corner, and I don't get paid for the period in between, even though I should do. So I stayed with Colin and spent the hour cleaning his kitchen and trying to get it looking a little decent. 
By the time I finished, it was a bit less grey and most of the livestock had gone and his kitchen no longer resembled the bug farm at London Zoo. And Colin smiled at me when I left and said thank you in a small, pale, grey voice. When I left, I phoned the agency and said they needed to contact social services and get Colin reassessed because his needs have changed. I hope they do. You've been listening to episode four of The Diary of a Home Care Worker by Rita Nemo with Julian Hutchings. Make sure you tune in for episode five. Thanks for listening.